Hey, hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Taking Care of Business podcast. This is your host, Dan Trottencheck. And it is truly hard to believe that we started this odyssey several weeks back where we started interviewing each one of our Young Retailer of the Year Award sponsors and each one of our Young Retailer of the Year Award winners. Um, and here we are today. We are doing our last interviews with the winners and the sponsors and and it just seems like it has gone by so quickly but on another hand it seems like we've been interviewing uh folks for for quite some time for this and, and we've got a really interesting uh uh, uh group that we're talking to today as it relates to the Young Retail of the Year Awards. But but before before I get into that, um, I just also wanted to make sure that everybody uh, out there knows how we are doing the awards program this year. Obviously, uh, things are a little bit different because of uh, COVID. And um, normally, we would have a gala event where we present the uh, winners with their awards and hear all their, uh, their the full uh, link kind of compelling story. Um, about what they're doing and, and, and why they were chosen for the awards. But obviously, it's a little bit different this year. But we have something kind of cooked up that we're pretty excited about. We are doing in a virtual awards presentation, and that will be taking place on August 31st at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And so if you are interested in attending this virtual presentation where you'll get to hear more from the sponsors and learn more about each one of the winners and see pictures of their operations, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, mark that on your calendar because you're going to want to make sure you attend that. Um, and how do you register? Uh, the best way is to just go to our website, www.nrha.org backslash Y-R-O-T-Y. That is Young Retailer of the Year, uh, Y-R-O-T-Y. You know, we love our acronyms uh, in this industry and particularly around NRHA. So there's another one to throw at you. But, it, you know, if you're compelled by these stories uh, from both sides, the sponsor side and the retailer side, make sure you go there um, and register for the event because you can hear a lot more about what makes these retailers and sponsors so special. Um, and, you know, it's also interesting as we kind of come to the close on, on these interviews with the retailers, just to point out, again, what an interesting and diverse group of winners we have this year. You know, we have winners that come from small towns, winners that come from big towns, winners from big operations, small operations. But I'm sure if you've listened to these interviews, you've also found the common threads that have kind of run through our winners. Uh, not only have we seen winners that that have been able to uh, have massive impacts in a positive way from a business standpoint on their operations. Um, but you also see a group of people that are incredibly involved in their communities. And you also see people that are beginning their process of getting involved with the industry. And that's certainly the case with the retailer that we are talking to today. And today we're talking to Cody Gepner. And Cody is from Belisle Co-op out in Washington, Grandview, Washington. And he is one of our winners in the multi-store categories. And before Cody won this award, he was already starting to really get involved in the industry. And he kind of became one of those regular faces we started to see around 
RHA events. And, and he was one of those guys that was just kind of like a sponge wanting to soak up all the information he could and learn from other people. So it's a great story that we're going to get to with Cody. And, and I always like to point out at this point that the, the reason and the way we're able to honor people like Cody and the other winners this year and really shine the spotlight on their stories is through the support of our sponsors. And and I think it's, you know, I've said this to this point before, but it's also too important to point out to the companies that sponsor this, this isn't just kind of one of those things they sign off on and say, yeah, this is a, you know, we're going to get our name out there and so on and so forth. These sponsors are really involved and invested in this overall program, and it means a lot to them. So I want to make sure that I give them their due. And our sponsors this year are Aero Fastener, Epicor, Fluid Master, Intertape Polymer Group, Midwest Fastener. My tech and Pony Jorgensen. And today we are going to be talking to uh, the folks at Epicor. And our guest on the program to start with today is TC Murray, and she is the Vice President of Retail for Epicor. TC, welcome to our program. Hi, Dan. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Well, why don't you start out by, you know, I've said this around a lot of the, uh, you know, when I read off that list of sponsors, there's a lot of companies that everybody in this industry knows, you know, they're, they're, these are kind of the, the leading companies in the industries in a lot of ways. And, and Epicor is certainly one of those as well. People are pretty familiar in this industry with who Epicor is and what they do. But could you kind of start by just telling us a little bit uh, about Epicor, because I think you guys are really involved in a lot more stuff than people maybe even realize who have a have an understanding of Epicor. Yes, well, Epicor, we're almost a billion-dollar software company, and we are dedicated to independent hardware industry. We've got over 45 years of experience just focused on independent retailers. So we focus on Main Street, not Wall Street, and we want to keep local retail thriving. That's our real tagline is stay thriving. So we have that complete retail solution. It's not just the software. We have the hardware coupled with the payment processing, with the business products and all the consulting so that we're really that one hand to shake as a close partner with local retail. Yeah. And and obviously, like you said, you guys focus as independent retail. So you understand those nuances yes. of of what that independent kind of locally owned operation, but that doesn't just mean a, a single store operation. Obviously you guys are involved certainly with singles. It's kind of like our young retailer of the year award winners. We have some that are single store, but then we have other that, that, that are like Cody that, that, that run multiple operations. And you guys are, are, are kind of really run the gamut with the services you can provide. That's the beauty of Epicor is we scale from a single store up to multi-store chains, you know, running billions of dollars a year in annual revenue. And there's no solution that that's flexible, right? And so like the NRHA, we have chosen to really specialize in the hardware space. And what's interesting is the diversity that's in each of those stores. It's not just a single area. It's the hard lines. It's lumber. It's a local garden center. It can have the soft goods. It's everything rolled into one. And we specialize in that diversity. So we really enjoy being able to scale not only um, from store size, but also in the diversity of the range of solutions needed. Well, and it is a different, you know, when we talk to people outside of the industry and they think, well, retail's retail, but there's a big difference between <laughs> improvement hardware, lumber retailing and grocery or drug or toy or whatever. And, and, and having that flexibility or that, that deep understanding. And as you said, you guys have been around for 45 years. So, so you kind of have that understanding of how the business is different. 
Exactly. And that's what's been so exciting is we're really focused on that next generation of innovation. Because one thing that's very unique about this independent hardware industry is that in many cases, it's their family owned or it's multi-generational or it's a co-op. And so you have all sorts of age ranges and uh, the diversity of customers as well as the in-store employee base is very diverse. And so we have been building that next generation and now we're delivering our Epicor Retail Cloud, which is an innovation on our longstanding tried and true, very well adopted Eagle platform. So we're very excited to bring that to market and just can be in that continuous innovation business. Well, it's interesting that you talk about the fact of building that next generation, because obviously that's really what this award is all about is recognizing on the retail side, the next generation of retail leaders. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, I, I said this to start off the podcast is the companies, and I always find it interesting because the companies that choose to sponsor the, this event are usually also the companies that say, this is more about a relationship than it is just, again, there's nothing wrong with signing your name on a sponsorship, but, but it seems like every year, year after year, the companies that sponsor these awards are like, no, I want this to be, I really want to do it because not only do I get my name out there, but it really helps the industry. So why was Epicor kind of attracted to sponsoring this awards? Well, we think it's so important what you do to sponsor and cultivate that next generation of talent. And what's really neat for us is that Cody Geppner, who I'll be introducing at Lyle Co-op, he's an Epicor customer. So I sent him an email. I just said, congratulations, Cody, because uh, just like last year, we also had another Epicor customer who was a young retailer of the year. And it's really important to keep this a thriving industry for our local communities and to bring along that talent that's going to take over the management reins. And so to see Cody invested in the leadership team at Lyle and to see him focusing on retail operations and really building his career is so gratifying because we all want to make sure that our local communities, local retail is thriving. And especially in today's time, you know, we're stronger together. And we've had so many heartwarming messages from young retailers and seasoned uh, older (laughs) retailers saying, thank you, because not only do I have my business open, I can serve my customers, but I'm able to keep my family members, you know, and they might not be actual blood relations, but there's such a tight community that work in these stores and they have so many decades of experience together to be able to keep them employed and serving their communities and supporting them with what they need that's just essential beyond what it is that they sell. So we're really excited and pleased to be as busy as we are right now, keeping the young and old busy. Well, and we certainly appreciate your support. I know the the retailers and the industry appreciate your support. So, you know, obviously these are interesting times, but business doesn't stop. Um, Innovation doesn't stop. So what do you guys have going on at Epicor that our listeners might want to know about? Well, we have significantly invested millions and millions over the last several years and coming out with a fully modern, cloud-native, beautiful, just like what you enjoy on your smartphone, uh, cloud version of our longstanding Eagle solution. And so it's got all that depth that um, is so known in the Epicor community for the industries that we serve. And so we're excited to be bringing that to market and to be working with our independent hardlines stores in terms of planning their journey of how can you serve best. So like some of the things that we did in this time of COVID where everyone needed to change overnight was we started doing 
delivery. We have a delivery management service that just started going gangbusters. E-commerce, so people could buy online and pick up in store. And it's funny because some of the big executives that we know that are out there were saying, the only place I could find toilet paper was in my local hardline store that actually stocked things that you would just never consider. And so it really reinforced for so many how important local community is and being able to serve it. So the buy online, pick up in store has been trending, the e-commerce. And then on top of that, we have a very low cost payments solution that we sell to most of our hardline stores. And what's nice about that is instantly we said, hey, keep you safe, keep you selling. We are going to contact list so everyone can just ping, get what they need to pay and get out the door. So we were able to pivot in so many ways to serve local retailers at all levels and that in itself has been gratifying and we're seeing that adoption just focus and it's not like it's going to ever go back to way it was pre-covid and so we're here as partners to just serve the community yeah fantastic to hear that kind of thing and response I, I mean i've said it before but i've been so impressed how the whole industry has been able to use your work pivot really so quickly here tc how would our listeners uh what's the best way that they could learn more or find out more details about what epicor is up to and what you guys have to offer well we're always happy to engage at a personal level and there's so many ways to get a hold of us most likely they know someone in the industry they could actually just reach out to them personally because we enjoy that there's retail at epicor.com. There's our epicor.com website, and you can always chat with us there, or they could reach out to me personally. We're always interested in engaging in a conversation because it's people supporting people. Fantastic. Well, once again, thank you guys so much for your sponsorship and support of this program, and again, your continued support for the independent channel. We, we really appreciate it, not just at NRHA, but I know the channel appreciates seeing the support like this. And, and, and thank you so much for being on the program today, TC. Well, thank you for all your work, Dan, and the NRHA does valuable contributions to the industry. So thank you. Well, thank you. And we will be right back and we're going to uh, get with Cody and, and learn what's going on out in Washington and what he's been up to. So stay tuned for that. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are here uh, to talk to another one of our Young Retail of the Year Award winners. Uh, we're chatting with Cody Gettner from Belial Co-op. Cody, welcome to the program. Thanks, Dan. How are you today? Doing good. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, first off, congratulations on winning the award. Uh, much deserved. Um, glad uh, glad we could honor you. Uh, it's kind of a weird year for the award since things are a little bit different. Uh, it's a weird year all around, I guess, but uh, congratulations nonetheless. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a privilege. Well, thanks. Um, why don't we start by having, you know, yours is a real kind of interesting story. And, 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 and as we move through the podcast, we'll talk about some of this, but you've been, you're no stranger to NRHA and, and, and really kind of one of those young retailers who, who, who's gotten be, uh, involved in the industry beyond just running your business. And we'll talk about that as, in a second. But why don't you start by sharing with our listeners just a little bit of a, kind of like your path into the industry and how you got involved in hardware retailing. And, and like so many others, you, you, you know, you, you were part of a family business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, really, I always tell people I, I swore off the family business in the industry at a young age. I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, I grew up in the arts. I grew up performing, and that is exactly where I saw my my career path going. Yeah. 
Um, and I actually had uh, that experience for about five years um, oh, okay. before I did rejoin the family business. My mom had recently purchased the business for my grandparents um, and had the opportunity to go back and, um, and help her do her thing there in my hometown. Um, and so once that opportunity arose, you know, it was one of those like perfect stars aligning moment of something I had never imagined myself doing. Um, it kind of made sense. Um, and jumped back into it with her, um, moved back home and we just had a a time of our lives, uh, you know, running that family business, building it up, doing some really cool things in the community, um, turning some pages into some new opportunities, uh, and new demographics that we were reaching out to. Um, and it, it just seemed like that was my, that was my career path. That was my future. Yeah. Um, which was really the the enticing part about joining the family business is I had seen a longevity to the plan of right. uh, moving back and, and being invested in that family business. Um, but as I've shared before, and many know, that's just not quite the way destiny right. had it either. Because um, just after a couple of years of joining the family business, um, the family made the decision to close it down. Right. And so kind of left me um, in this void again of, wait a second, I just left, you know, some passionate career uh, and, and came back and this was supposed to be a long-term plan. Um, but really because of some connections with the NRHA and some opportunities I had to network with the business leaders out here in Washington state, um, shortly after that, I made a visit out here to Blau Co-op and transitioned out here uh, to join the retail team and I've been out here for two years now. We're making improvements to the retail. Um, you know, it's been one of a lot of change in developing the operations. But for me, it's, you know, I've gotten a chance to explore the Pacific Northwest. We're living in Washington wine country, so there, it doesn't really get better than that. Um, and that's, that's really a long way from home, though, for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So for me, it's about 2,700 miles. I grew up in Indiana. Um, it was a heck of a drive to get out here that I made with my, my dad, but you know, it's been totally worth it. It's just been, uh, uh, an experience uh, that I'll never forget. It's been an adventure for sure. Absolutely. Let's, let's back up a second and talk about it because it's kind of interesting. You know, one thing that I think a lot of people find interesting about retail from from kind of running an operation are there's so many different kind of personality types that do well at retail. There's some people that are just the numbers people that just dive into it and they love that number side of it. There's some people that really get into kind of the operations and management side of it. And and then there's also really this different side, um, which, you know, you come from a performance background and a lot of retail can really be kind of performance. You're on a stage, if you will, when you're on the sales floor dealing with customers. And and man, I've met some people who are really kind of on the numbers side that don't really gravitate toward the face-to-face interaction side, but they could be they can be real successful that way. So do yeah. you see a lot of parallels kind of between you know your 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 being on the stage and performing and, and the retail side of it? And is that kind of what maybe made you uh, uh, feel at home in retail? You know, I, I when I first went back into the retail uh, industry, I didn't feel like I belonged just because I had such a longer history 
um, in the arts and performing. I was directing productions and musicals. And I, it just, it felt like something that had been a part of my life with the family business. Um, but when I came back, I just felt like, okay, wait a second. I don't belong here. This isn't, this isn't right. They're going to figure out that I'm this art kid that doesn't get the business <laughs> side of it. And this isn't yeah. going to last long, but we'll just let it ride type of thing. But very, uh, very soon after rejoining, um, I realized, yeah, wait a second. These are strengths that I really get to play into what I brought from the theater. And for me, it was hard to differentiate between the two a lot of times. I'd be going into some interviews for new employees and I'd say, okay, so I have auditions today at two. And it's like, okay, wait a second, not an audition, it's <laughs> interviews. Uh, we, got, we don't have callbacks, we have second round of interviews. <laughs> yeah. um, but really the, the structure of retail, the, you know, I always envision the sales floor as the stage and, and our team members as the cast. And, and really every day we open our, 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 our store, it's putting on a new production right. and really uh, being the, uh, having the mindset of that to better take care of our customers every day. Yeah, just an interesting way to look at it. I also want to touch on something else you mentioned is that, you know, Indianapolis is home to the NRHA. You were from Indiana, but you kind of, when you came back into the business, started getting involved in some of the things NRHA was doing, um, which kind of loosely led to some of the contacts you were making that, that kind of, uh, uh, helped you extend your career in retailing. So tell us a little bit about kind of how you first got involved with NRHA and what that looked like and, and why you kind of decided to, to, to make that uh, step. Well, like I said, Dan, when I first got back in, I was really trying to find my footing in the industry and trying to understand it as a whole. I had a great understanding of what we did as a family business, the community we served. Uh, it, they were my hometown. It was what I knew. Um, but it seemed like there was a whole world of hardware industry out there that I hadn't even experienced. Yeah. Um, and from my perspective at the time, a lot of it was competition. And so it's came from this like competitive nature. Of, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a, a unifying measure, even if it was the independent hardware industry. And so I leaned into the stories that were in hardware retailing. Um, I leaned into the magazine and, and just wanted to learn and take in as much as I could. Yeah. Um, and then I stumbled upon a, an ad for the RMCP ex, uh, class yeah. and, and I just knew I wanted to know more and how do I manage through this? Um, I could recognize that there were changes that were happening in the industry. Um, and I wanted to be best equipped for that, um, to be able to navigate that. So I did, I jumped into the, uh, retail management certification program, made some awesome connections there and just was grateful thankfully i went through that process as a sponge and yeah. so i just absorbed everything that they had to offer and and it was just the perfect time of my career to be able to take that absorb it and then start just uh pouring it out all over not just the family business but i still am able to do that here at blyle as well um and then between other conferences i've been able to mentor some of my peers through the rmcp class um, some fun times of at the National Hardware Show doing the retailer's <laughs> yeah. choice, getting to see the product. And again, it's just it's a network where all of the independent retail um, groups come together through the NRHA. And it's this platform. I, I think I've said it before, but it's like the, 
United Nations of the independent hardware industry. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I, I love being a part of that for sure. Well, we, we, we always uh, find it encouraging when people, uh, you know, it's one of the things when we try and introduce uh, retailers to the programs we have. And then when we see someone like yourself who really kind of embraces them and, and you know, NRHA may be the United Nations, but what makes them powerful are all the kind of countries that come together to share their information and knowledge. And, 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 and that certainly, you know, uh, speaks to retailers such as yourself who, who are willing to not only be a sponge, but also share what you've learned. Um, let's talk for a second about, so you were working in your family business and, and, and as you said, you know, some kind of changes occurred there. Then you work, went to work for Belial. And what was that like making the transition from working in, in, in a family environment to working in an environment that's not, not, not part of your family? Um, I, I'd imagine there, there could be positives and negatives to it. I mean, we hear a lot of things about, you know, a lot of the stressors that are inherent to a family business. Um, how did you kind of find that transition? You know, I look back at it. And I, I, I can't help but laugh because in the moment, the, dece the decision seemed like the natural next step for me. Um, you know, but as I look back, it's just like, what was I thinking? How did that, <laughs> how did that seem like the natural next step to go from a single store family operation to a multi-million dollar multi-store co-op? You know, right. um, it just, looking back, it doesn't make sense. Two years into it, I'm like, okay, I can see it. Um, but you know, for me, moving the 2,700 miles away from my hometown was really the hardest part of that transition. Yeah. Um, and, but once I was here, it was kind of game on, settled in quickly and said, let's get to work. Um, but it, it really, it, it didn't hit me the big differences until we started making decisions at the co-op and started developing it. Cause back home with the family business, it was me and mom. There was still influence from the grandparents as well. Um, but, you know, when we had a decision to make, we could do it fairly quickly. Right. You know, you agree or you disagree, you hash it out, question some of the operatives, and then make some rapid fire decisions and you continue on to the next thing. Um, at the co-op, there are a lot more people involved in the decision making process. And, and it, that's one of the challenges that I had to overcome um just to understand that better but honestly it made me understand the other side of it a little bit more and it helped me um really refine my pitches communicate more clearly which only helped managing down as well with the team um and so i've grown to appreciate the process and really believe that you know being challenged through that way of of decision making um you know we're able to make long-lasting and sustainable decisions for the future of the co-op. Yeah, and, and I, I guess the other side of it too is, you know, we hear this from a lot of retailers and family businesses that, you know, sometimes you're on an island. It's, it's you and mom or you and dad or, or, or husband, wife, whatever it might be. And while you have the freedom and the agility to make decisions quickly, you'd also don't have a team of people to kind of say, Ooh, I don't know if that's the right decision. <laughs> so, so it's yeah, two sides of the same coin, I guess. You feel like you're just kind of feeling your way through it, honestly, when you're doing a family business. And, and th I found a lot of 
um, security and the decisions because I was able to lean into the NRHA. I really felt like because of the openness of others, a lot of them were sharing their struggles I that I was even feeling or that I was experiencing. And so to be able to lean into them whenever you did have that feeling of loneliness was I was really grateful for. Um, and I still do it today. I mean, with Bio Co-op, just because there are more people um, in the decision-making process doesn't mean we're all coming from the same perspective, right. most likely not. And so right. there are sometimes you're going, oh crap, how do I get this over a hump or a hurdle? Or how do we figure this out? What perspective am I missing? And, and sometimes that comes from just open communication with the individuals that are you know, uh, going against what the idea is. Um, but other times it's seeking counsel or advice from some of those close confidants that have been established uh, through the years as well. So, so you get to Belial and you're kind of the, the, you know, in a new environment and you look around at the business. What, what did you say? Okay, here are some things I want to try and achieve, you know, in the first six, 12 months. What, what, what were some of the areas that you thought, I think we have some ideas that we could uh, maybe make some changes. Yeah, so I had a really unique opportunity where a few months before I joined the Bio Co-op team, I came out and visited. Um, to make the 2,700 mile trek out here, I wanted to make sure, hey, they are, you know, who I've known right. from a distance. Um, and so during that original visitation, I really, it sparked a, a laundry list of actionable items, you know, and you could go into any business and do that as a retailer right. of, hey, let's focus on this, let's focus on that. But some of the key things I saw were being able to unite all four retail stores uh, operationally. Let's get them all functioning the same way. And then we'll do that by employee training programs. And, um, you know, I walked into um, our Grandview location for the first time and they've got a huge warehouse and I was like, Oh, awesome. So you, you, uh, hold all of the inventory for the four stores here. And they're like, no, no, this is just for this location. So <laughs> then that sparks an inventory management management yeah. need. Um, and, and really being just able to enhance on the brand recognition that Blyle had already created um, from the executive team, introducing Blyle swag um, and some different opportunities there as well. Um, and a lot of those um, action plans encompass the five P's of retail, people, place, product, price, and promotion. Um, and just really implementing um, retail-minded employees within our department. Um, and then kind of throwing in that six P of performance there from a management perspective. Um, and so that's really what I led into. Um, I will say that was my first like in June, May, June, my experience. By the time I got there in August, I always tell people, um, you know, it wasn't quite <laughs> what I was, <laughs> yeah. those action items had to be put on hold because of, uh, the baking, I, I call it the baking a cake analogy where you're, I went in saying, okay, now we're going to decorate this cake. We're going to put the icing on top and make it look really awesome. Then you get there, you start unwrapping some things and you realize, okay, wait a second. We're still raising the chicken that's going to lay the egg that's going to go into the cake. So yeah. it's just you got to take some steps back. And and I forgot that, you know, I may have had it all figured out. But on my first day, uh, I had forgot that operations were already in motion before I got there. You know, so there, it wasn't just we're opening a new operation. We're doing it the Cody way. Um, I really forgot that, Hey, we're opening a brand new retail location within six months of me starting. We're 
uh, where we're still developing the store layout, the product selection, merchandising plans. Um, you, you know, that kind of reminded me of my theater days. Getting ready for a grand opening is like putting on a production premiere. But, you know, we were doing that all while managing the uh, a Grandview retail store, convenience store, the wholesale supply chain. So really um, introducing and, and developing this new vision of retail for Blyle. Um, starting with the operations, roles, processes, and so on, just to kind of go there. And so it, it's been a two-year process, and um, I, we've been able to chip away at a lot of those different things throughout the last couple of years, probably just not in the same way that I had originally planned. <laughs> just a slight adjustment. So, uh, you know, like you said, you, you, you've been on the side of being mentored and, and serving as a mentor. What do you think would you kind of pass along as advice about examining an operation and looking for ways to grow? What are some of the keys that you see? And is it looking at the five P's and kind of starting there? Or is there, uh, you know, if someone said to you that they were in the position you were in, what, what kind of advice would you give them to look for those areas that they could grow? So just as you said, Dan, I feel just so lucky or, or blessed just to have had the mentorship I've had, not just as I've been in the independent retail industry, but even before when I was focused on the arts, um, before then when I was going through uh, my education phase of life, it just always felt like I had people um, investing in me and really um, giving me opportunities so that I could succeed in the future and really taking all of that and being able to implement it into my day-to-day, -day, whatever I'm doing. Um, but I would say the, the advice that I got that I would pass on to anybody else would be when I was in theater and I was directing musicals, it was probably one of the most intimidating things that I had done at the time. I was in my early 20s. Somebody had thrown a production at me um, and you create your artistic team. You, you need a music director, choreographer, assistant director, all, costume designers, set designers, all these people. And you're going, you have this vision. You know what you want to see happen on stage, but you need people surrounding you to be able to help you do that. And in and, and trying to do that for the first time in my early 20s, um, one of my mentors at the time said, you need to surround yourself with people that are even more talented than you so that when you're sitting around a table with your team, you're intimidated by them. And as a young 20 someone, you know, that's going, wait a second, I'm not going to be intimidated by anybody. It was that idea alone was just intimidating. It creates this idea of, well, they're going to see right through me. But when I did this um, and you're able to create a team of experts in their field, you get to start seeing things happen around that table. Um, that you couldn't have even imagined yourself because they understand their area of expertise um, better than you ever could. And, and really that I've seen that translate into running a business and the principle of you, you find people that are highly skilled of whom you can trust um, and you'll have an, a team that can accomplish anything. You put literally anything in front of them and they'll just, they'll run with it. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of an analogy that I heard years and years ago about uh, an orchestra conductor and, the, you know, everybody in the orchestra is mastering their instrument and playing their part and serving their role. But the conductor, the orchestra is their instrument. And, and that just kind of struck me as, as, okay, it's not just a guy up there that's kind of waving a stick. It, <laughs> it's someone that's, that's getting all these kind of parts to play together to, to produce this, you know, 
sound, which sounds exactly like what you're describing from putting on a production, but it, it, yeah. it obviously translates to retail is, is you're, you're conducting every bit of it and everybody has their own part to play, but, but you've got to learn how to, how to get all of it to, to work well together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, really that the key to that is diversity in many aspects of your team. I mean, making sure they've got different experiences and specialties and backgrounds. It just creates this open atmosphere of sharing um, that leads to ideas and execution and, you know, let the people do what they do best and direct them within the vision of the company. And you really are going to set not just the company up for success, but these individuals as well. And, and I would say, you know, that is is great but i have to always remind myself to keep a business focus you know we are in the industry uh or in the business world to make money we're not nonprofits like a lot of theaters might be um but and so you always got to look at your bottom line and your top line as well and so making sure that you know how you can improve your top line of knowing your customer base provide them with what they want add services spin-offs and, and create you know a tribe of loyal consumers and then looking at your bottom line i use the process um I, peep it's you know being productive effective efficient and ultimately profitable yeah. um and really helping that bring your your bottom line down so that there's a, a higher margin of profit for your business yeah well, and, and you, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. You, you chose to get involved in the industry in a broader way with your involvement with NRHA, but you've obviously chosen to get involved in your community in a broader way um, by being active in community efforts. Uh, for instance, the Chamber of Commerce, where you serve as president of the Chamber of Commerce. Talk to us a little bit about that. What, what, what made you decide to kind of dive in with both feet in the business community locally and, and be involved just beyond what you're doing with the co-op? So when I was with the family business, it really just seemed easy. You know, I loved my hometown of Ferdinand it, and we had tons of community events that I could um, volunteer at. We, we support the local school systems. And so writing, writing a check for donation or volunteering at those community hours, it's personal because those people are your neighbors. Uh, they're people who grew up with you. They, they, like I said earlier, invested in who you are. So they had a part of raising you and, and really a part of who you've become. Um, and honestly, when I moved to Washington State, I was worried that I would lose that connection, that I was going to be a, a transplant. I'm not a native anymore. I'm yeah. a transplant in somebody else's hometown. And how do I get plugged in without being an outsider? I, small towns can, aren't always inclusive that way. And so how do you be effective um, in a small town? And, and really, for the first year that I was out here in Washington State, some of the community leaders, uh, we would have luncheons or they'd come to the office and they'd say, we want you to be involved. We'd like, we'd like to see what you're doing with our store events and stuff. Um, and we think that, you know, we could have some fun with the city. And I, I've really pushed them off for an entire year saying, no, I can't. I, there's so many other things we're doing business wise. Um, I just don't have the capacity. And then they had a community event where they just asked me, Hey, come in and be an MC for us. Just come in, have some fun. Um, experience one of our community events at the next level um, and and let, let's see where it goes. Well, then that turned into attending board meetings. It turned into being voted on to the board and turned into being appointed the president and, 
and and it's been a fun um, process, or, you know, or progression just to um, be involved. You know, really, the small communities have opened their arms wide open, and um, that fear that I initially had was really met with open arms and wanting to to engage in all the possibilities that could be of this small town and. Um, you know, now we're helping shape the economic development of the city. We produce these community events, partner with the city officials for future improvements. Um, and, and really it's more involved than I could have ever imagined of being, but I'm having a blast doing it. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty terrific. It also keeps the business just really connected to the community in a unique way. Um, speaking of that, where do you kind of, I mean, if I would have asked you five years ago where you see yourself might not be where you are right now, but what about five years from now? Where do you see yourself? Where do you see the business? <laughs> you know, I, after the family business and everything, the five-year question is really, it was scary to me. It was like, okay, well, I tried that before. We're not going to go into five yeah. years. We're not going into 10 years. Let's just be in the now. And I remember coming out to Blau Co-op and telling uh, the executive team at the time, look, I, I'm committed to where I go. I'm committed to my next step. Um, but I want somewhere where it can be personal for me. It may not be a family business, but I want to work with people that care about it as if it is. Um, I think that's why the co-op was such a, a fit for me because we are owned by farmers. And so they, they really understand the, uh, the business or the farm store to at another level that, we, that, that they can appreciate. Um, and your your customer are your owners, and so you have this engagement very uh, in a similar way that you would I did with the family business. Um, and so even though I won't put a five year stamp on it, I really see it as you know I'm about to go into my third decade of life where I get to take everything that I've learned over the first three and just build upon it. Really um, stay true to myself is how I see it. And um, I've got this uh, this uh, core uh, purpose of to create, inspire, and stand for excellence for generations to come. So I really see um, what I get to do here at Blau Co-op, we'll get to expand on that as well. Um, and really just um, stay committed to what we're doing. And it, it, sometimes it feels like we're in the trenches and we're making some awesome things happen. But, you know, Blau Co-op, we're on a trajectory to really um, dominate the market through a diversity of departments that we that we offer to the uh, the farmer. Um, you know, there's always the potential of growing or expanding our trade circle. Um, we're always looking at ways to better serve our core customer, um, and we're doing that with a dynamic online customer portal and e-commerce platform that's coming soon. Um, and really, like for me, the idea is that. Um, as we are creating this dynamic company to work for, we get to recruit and employ the industry's top talent, you know, and just kind of see, as we were talking about earlier, where they take it. Because once you have those people in the room, it's really um, endless possibilities will follow. Someone, I, I, I tend to pose this question in a few different ways, but if you could kind of give advice to yourself when you were coming into the industry, or, or to a, you know, as you've said, you've kind of filled that role as mentor as well. What, what kind of advice would you give to, to, to the younger Cody, um, or, or to someone in that similar position about, you know, kind of how, not, not just find success, but I mean, cause 
you know, some people are very successful, but they hate going into work every day. What kind of advice would you give to someone to find that balance, uh, but also kind of start off on the right foot? You know, Dan, I think the key is, at least up to this point for myself, it's been to always posture myself to learn, to be open to others' experiences, um, to to what they've gone through. And even if I don't understand it, be willing to at least try to understand it. Yeah. Um, and, and key or like partner that with surrounding yourself with the best people like we've talked about um, to almost that intimidating level. Um, I, I really just think that is the, is, um, the, the equation that it takes to really go the distance, go as far as you want to, um, beyond, like I said earlier, beyond where you can even imagine going. Um, for me, I think, um, I'm, it's good for me to be challenged as well. Um, and so I can live in the clouds. I can live with that big vision but I need to be ripped down to earth and say, okay, wait a second, let's get our feet on the ground and let's run forward. And so I think always finding someone that's willing to challenge you as well and willing to really not challenge you in a negative way, but to push you forward um, and really help cultivate you and develop you as you continue through this. Um, and again, it's just to understand uh, the problems that you're facing um, or the opportunities you're facing and be able to encompass them fully as you move forward. Yeah, great advice. Cody, once again, big congratulations for being uh, one of the winners this year. Much deserved. And thank you for taking time. I know it's early for you today, so thanks <laughs> for getting up early and, and joining us on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's a great way to start the morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for all the listeners, if you want to hear more and learn more about Cody or any one of our other winners or all of our other winners, you're going to want to make sure to tune in to the virtual Young Retail of the Year Awards Ceremony, which is taking place on August 31st at 6 p.m. Eastern. And uh, if you want to watch that, all you need to do is go to uh, nrha.org backslash Y-R-O-T-Y for Young Retailer of the Year. And you'll get all the information you need to register to watch the uh, award ceremony. And you'll get to see a lot more. You'll get to see pictures of everybody's stores. You'll get to hear more from them and more about their background and why they were selected for the award. So we'd love you, for you to make it there uh, and, and be able to, to, to learn more about all these dynamic young leaders. Again, Cody, much congratulations and look forward to when everybody's traveling again and all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll run into you at one of these shows and, uh, and look forward to shaking your hand personally. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dan. It's been an honor. Thanks very much, Cody.